Right. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Stories of Selling Human podcast. I'm your host, Alex Smith. I started this podcast because I believe everyone in the world will someday be faced with a situation, could be business, could even be personal, that requires you to create change. I think we all want to be heard, seen, and understood. And the people who get our attention and convince, persuade, or influence us are not just salespeople. There are great humans throughout all walks of life that we're drawn to. I'm going to share their stories here so that we can tap into what makes us human, practice our human skills, and ultimately we'll all become better at selling by being human. All right, gang. So this is uh, somebody that I have on today. We, we talked about this podcast long before it actually went live. Uh, he offers me tons of counsel all the time. This dude, uh, you know, is a seller, professional seller. He's, he's had a long career in sales. But the reason why I like this dude that you're about to talk to is that he is just one of the best people I know about uh, having service and humility around sales. We'll talk about that. And just an all around really good dude. And, and anybody, whether you're a non-sales person or a salesperson, are, are going to learn from this dude. This dude was, uh, has, is currently a, a senior global sales director at Seismic. He worked at Intuit for 12 years. So this dude gets software sales. He's been a variety of different roles. He's worked at Bloomberg BNA uh, you know, as a sales manager and a salesperson. Uh, he's also uh, on the board of advisors of a company called Fringe, a software company that offers awesome tech around uh, uh, innovative benefit systems. And he is a coach with the Sales Rebellion. Please welcome none other than Dewan Brown to the podcast. Welcome, Dewan. Hey, thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate you, uh, Alex. It's a, a pleasure to be here. Um, awesome to see everything take off with the podcast too after our early conversations. Yeah, I love it, man. I love it. You know, we. Man, I remember talking to you probably back in March and April, like, what should I call this podcast? And, you know, I, I, I was telling you, like, we, 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 yeah. we're all doing it. All human beings sell things. It's just sell, salespeople, the only ones that realize it yeah. at times. And, you know, um, uh, you gave me a great idea. I was very close to calling it what you, what you offered me. And that was the art of moving others. And I just thought, I get it, but I don't know if uh, everyone else might, maybe is this a, a moving, uh, about moving uh, house or something? So people might not get that term, but we get it because we right, both read right. Dan, Dan Pink's book. But man, um, uh, yeah. so I, I, I rattled off a list of lots of software companies and you've been a, in sales for a long time, over 30 yeah. years. And man, so um, some people might think, 20, um, the, don't age me. Don't 20, age me. 20? Oh, 30. <laughs> 20, 20. <laughs> you know, that's my fault. Now, I, I, you should, I should always go low when you think, when you guess, you should always just go, <laughs> go with a lower number. Um, 20 years. Um, yeah, but, you know, uh, so a long time. And you know what? People might think your first job in software was sales, but they would remiss, be remiss. I think your first job in sales was at a place called Spinnaker's. And I want you to explain right. what Spinnaker's is and what did you learn about yeah. sales by working there? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. You dug deep too. Um, <laughs> that was back in the day. Spinnaker's, Spinnaker's was really my, one of my first, it was not my first job, but it was one of my first jobs in the service industry. So Spinnaker's was an awesome restaurant. Uh, it was inside the, the local mall in the city that I grew up in. And uh, I started there as a busboy. 
Um, and, you know, one of the things I learned very quickly is that being a busboy is not about you, right? It's about you making way for other people, in this case, the servers, the bartenders, to be able to do their work as efficiently as possible. And the better you move barriers out of their way to do that, the more you got paid. It was a really interesting um, learning um, in that case. And so really all I wanted to do and all I was really tasked with doing was, listen, the tables get up, they should have nothing on their table so that the server can come and simply wipe it down and sit someone else because you know that was their productivity. That was how they earned the most money. Um, and by doing that, they they treated me well if I did that well. And so it was it was a leadership, right? Because I, I think I say in my in that at that bio where that that Spinnaker's reference comes from that you know really the way up is down um, when we think about service and humility. And um, and I learned it you know at 15 years old roughly. Um, you know, doing that work. So that was, that was the, you know, the first, and then, you know, also in the midst of that, there's, there were opportunities for me to, to do more work, right? So the, the better I did at that, the more shifts I could pick up, um, you know, the, the more opportunities I had to get additional tips from those who, who were really appreciative of, of the work that I was doing. Um, <clears throat> and I think right there, I started to, to see that like service oriented working for the benefit of others had its own benefits for myself. Um, but ultimately, um, you know, it was about removing barriers for other people to be successful. Yeah, man, that's so awesome. Cause yeah, I mean, you know, I would think my first thought of like, uh, at a restaurant, like a server is, is one of the best sales positions because you're, you're reading people. And of course there's a lot of that goes into mm -hmm. that. And maybe you did a lot of that, but you know, no, not many people think a, a yeah. bus boy would be. Um, you right. know, something you could learn from, but that's a, a philosophical way and, a, and an important way because that is what we're doing. We're, yeah. we're trying to kind of, you know, get down to the root of, uh, of a problem, the root cause, remove all barriers to move forward. And, you know, some people that are busboys are just going and doing the motions and they're just, I, I got to do this. This is about me. This is like, uh, this is just my yeah. job. Instead of thinking about, no, you're actually if you work better for the server, the server might be inclined to like, man, this guy's helping me make more money. So I'm going to cut him. I'm going to break him That's off, right. you know, and that, that, that happened That's to right. you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. cool. And I mean, and, and there is, there, there is a such thing as being good or, or not so good at the role. Yeah. So when, when you, when you're considered good at the role, like you have, like, there's some predictive analytic in mind, like, is this a good time to take that plate from that that person that's eating? Is this a good time to grab their glass? Yeah. Is this a good time to bring the new silverware because I saw them drop mm. it? Like being, you know, uh, thoughtful and and you know anticipating needs was a part of the job. Yeah, you're making me think of a lot of times. Maybe everybody listening, can you think of a time where you were eating like mid bite or like just took a drink and you had like <laughs> half of your drink left and the server's like, "Can I get that for you?" You're like, "No, exactly. I'm, I'm paid for this." Yeah. Yo. <laughs> um, cool, cool. That's right. <laughs> um, another thing that I like in your bio, I just gotta say this because I've been dying to ask you this question, and I just, man, this mm -hmm. this this line has has seared itself into me for a long time and i want you to explain what it means and, it, and that is um dewan says in linkedin in his profile he goes i speak fluent human and there's not a sales robot bone in my body what does it mean to you to speak fluent human yeah 
you know, and the funny part of that's a good question. The funny part about it is that that meaning has morphed over the years. Mm. Um, rather than rather than morphed, I would say because um, earlier when I I think when I wrote that, which was a while back, um, what I was saying was that you know, I wanna communicate with people like I communicate with people like almost all across the board, right? So you and I have had phone calls. Um, and my hope is that on our phone calls that are off air and not about, you know, specifically business and things like that, that you hear, you hear the same voice that you hear when you hear me talking about business or sales or whatever the case might be. And so that's what I meant. I meant, I don't transform from like kind of, you know, I'm a positive guy. Like I have a you know, relatively upbeat attitude. I'm a seven on the Enneagram. Um, that's that's kind of who I am. There's some negative and some positive to that, but that's what you get when you encounter me on a phone call or when you encounter me uh, serving a table or the table or when you encounter me in a, in, a, in a sales pitch, right? So like, that's what I meant. Like that that humanity that doesn't transform into something that's unrecognizable in the moment of a, of a, of a business call or something like that. I think over time, like it's it's morphed as I to understand a little bit more about myself, uh, and you know it means that from the area of like I know I'm not, and I know that any conversation you have with me is going to be rife with uh, perfections, and and sort of embracing the aspect of humanity, um, not only in myself but hope, hopefully that's that's kind of launching me to a position where I can have grace for other people as they as they exhibit their humanity in the errors, the mistakes, the, the, the mess ups, um, you know, the moving too fast when you should be going too slow to moving too slow when you're going too fast. Um, and just having like a, a, an open mind understanding that this is a part of what being human is and being able to speak to that um, in a way that gives people grace and as opposed to, you know, bringing them into like, you know, at, you know, at least, uh, mental or psychological bondage. Um, <clears throat> I think that part of it started off a little bit more as I led more um, and realized that, you know, human to human interaction um, actually includes the flaws. It's not this whole idea of like human to human interaction, meaning that, you know, I'm gonna react to you and speak to you like I do all of my friends and family. Um, it's that, it's not less than that, <clears throat> but it's also the understanding that along with our humanity comes a tremendous amount of error mistakes um, and opportun opportunities for growth and improvement. Yeah, man. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so funny because we feel like uh, I, I, I've, I've probably um, early on in my career is like, you know, I, I had this image of what a good salesperson was maybe, you know, he or she yeah. always could just talk crisply and was, was like, like they, they, you know, they were just always sure of themselves and confident and, you know, they, they just never lost. They always found a way they overcome whatever was thrown <laughs> their way, whatever objection was put in front of them. They had an answer for it and they could make anybody buy, um, you know, as long as like it, yeah. it was something that they needed. And, and that's just not like, that's not real. Like, you know, people we're, 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 no. I, I always like to say we're, we're salespeople, but you know, we're, we're actually all just people. And, 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 and at right. the end of the day, we are people who happen to, to, to sell and we know what it means to, to sell, but you know, it, it, we're, we're just like anybody else. I mean, we're imperfect and that's the best part because yeah. we can admit, you know, if you admit that, 
and you know that people on the other side are also imperfect and they're not going to do they're not going to decide the right thing for them all the time, even though if it's staring them right, right in the face, the best decision that they could possibly make. And you've presented everything in the most possible way. It's just a, it's, it's a peep you're, you're dealing with uh, a human being. That's all of their experiences. And, and you have to kind of, you know, just accept that there is a journey. It's a, it's a constant journey and chase that nobody can ever really yeah. win or master. Right. Um, and that includes like the whole process, right? Like, I mean, I can remember when, um, you know, I was, I was working, working in, in a deal. Um, this was back at Bloomberg. And I, from my, from my vantage point, everything was, was progressing correctly. I think I called the gentleman that I was working with uh, several times that week. Every time I called, though, his, uh, you know, his executive assistant said, "Can I take a message?" And and I would I would just say no, right? Because the expectation was that I was going to call back. And then finally, when when she put him on that time, he he just went off, and I was just like, "Oh my goodness!" Little did I know, every time I called, even though I said I, I didn't want to leave a message, that she would go back and say that guy from Bloomberg called again, and I, I was just, and so he was he had gotten to a place where he had just exploded and said that he wasn't business because of how, um, how distant I had been. Um, and at that time I talked to my, my then manager and I said, I, th- I think I might've just blown this deal just from being persistent. And honestly, I was just calling when he said to call, but he wasn't there. So I met blah, 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 blah. So I kind of give him the story. He was just like, my manager was just like, no, he's a human. Like he probably had a bad day. You don't know what happened. Like just give him a call back as he asked you to. Just do it, you know, give them a week. Um, and so I, I call back in a week and I just apologizes and, and explains to me like all of the stresses that were on him that caused him to respond to me the way he did, even though that asked me to call. And and it was that was like a really enlightening moment for me, just to realize like when I go home after having a bad day or having several bad calls or a bad call or meetings where I flub, um, this or that, the way I feel. Everybody feels that when they have bad days at work, like everyone has goals and targets and tasks to do. And we all leave with some of those things unfinished and it's frustrating. And then we have responsibilities at home. Like, dude, this is life. We're all living it. And, uh, you know, sometimes it comes out sideways. And, and, and for some reason, I was in the same position as you. Like there were times when I thought that that didn't happen, especially to executives, but it's just not true. Like we're, we're literally all living in a, I mean, and now 2020 is the pandemic and all of these things, we're all impacted by this. Um, and we got to have a little bit more grace for each other. Yeah, I totally agree. Before I get into your, um, you know, just what you've learned throughout your career, I wanted to ask you a couple uh, questions about your uh, just yeah. upbringing, if I could, if that's all right with you. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. All right. So Duan, uh, before I get into your um, just your uh, kind of your career and um, business life, I wanted to kind of talk about your upbringing because I, I heard on a, a podcast that you, you know, you mentioned you saw things at an early age. You grew up in Petersburg, Virginia, mm-hmm. um, predominantly African-American neighborhood, but then went to a kind of a predominantly white high school. 
And, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if there's, I I just imagine there was probably maybe some events and maybe some things that kind of shaped the person that you are today. So I always think that, you know, the best salespeople, they have these diverse experiences because then they they know how to interact with different types of people because every single person you meet is just going to be differing, have a different experience, upbringing, all that. So are there, can you talk a little bit about, you know, how your upbringing kind of shaped the person you are today? And, and maybe if there's some specific events you saw early on that, that led you to believe that you could maybe attune yourself a little bit better into what was happening than other people. Yeah, man, that's a, that's a really, really powerful question in terms of like memory and, and, and just recalling you know, my upbringing and, and, and some of what I saw around me, um, you know, not just in terms of like, you know, struggle and, and things like that, but it was, it was just a variety of experiences going from, you know, the system, the school system that I was in and then kind of moving to, um, as you mentioned, I went to, I went to Catholic high school from ninth to 12th grade, which was um, transformational, but also like early on traumatic, right? (laughs) (laughs) you know, I think um, some of what I'd learned and uh, by observation, some of what I learned by necessity, um, you know, navigating the, the environment that I lived in at the time and some of what I'd seen from um, family members and friends um, and then sort of transferring uh, or, or, or almost being uprooted from a lot of that on a day-to-day basis to like a really strict um, environment where there were different levels of expectation as it related to education, homework, interaction, um, all of these sorts of things. Like those, those were, you know, earlier moments for me in my life when it was just like adapting to change, like real change, like uh, life altering change uh, was one of the things that I had to learn uh, really quickly in order to, in order to just to succeed in that environment. I also saw some things that were, um, uh, you know, sort of non-standard during my time in that Catholic school, uh, being, you know, uh, certainly a a big minority within that school. Um, Some of the the ways in which uh, scales were a little bit unbalanced at some times and um, struggling with um, different perceptions based on who I was and what I looked like and sort of navigating that and then coming from that environment and going back home and having to deal with whatever the stereotypes were of a private school student living in Petersburg at the time. And it was just, you know, really wanting to make sure that there were instances where the, the way I described it later on, uh, you know, when I started, when, it, when I was rapping was just like, you know, being able to have conversations both on the block and in the boardroom um, were experiences that were forged in Petersburg through my upbringing, right? Like just the the level of conversation um, and the and almost the transition from uh, the linguistic fa- uh, flavor of my city into a place where some of that wasn't tolerated or uh, encouraged meant that I had to. I mean, that's when I started learning. Like, and it's it's a term that that's pretty well known now. It's called code switching. Um, that was one of the places where at 14, 15 years old. Um, I found it a necessity to be able to do that in order to succeed and be seen in a a proper light. So it makes sense that as I grew into having a sales career, I had difficulty 
um, sussing out who Dewan was earlier in my sales career. And I, so I said it on another podcast at some point, or maybe just in conversation for a very long time. Like I was winning a lot of awards as a, as a seller um, and accolades. And, and as I look back, I realized I was winning those awards as more of a representative of who I was than, than who I actually was. Um, doesn't mean I wasn't really successful in, in what I was doing. It just means that I was, I was, I was bending to uh, a persona during those years or during at least a portion of those years that um, harken back to my days having to be something a little bit different than myself in order to be accepted, in order to be encouraged in whatever the talents or skills that I had, um, and really in order to fit in in some ways as well. So I think that was a lot of that was 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 really, really life shaping and kind of uh, mindset shaping earlier. And, and I still wrestle at various times to um, to maintain that sense of self that we talked about at the beginning of this thing, where it's just like human, um, you know, being the one, being consistently myself, and then having those who embrace that um, know what they're embracing, as opposed to embrace one thing and then later find out like that there's something beneath this that they would not have embraced had they known it. Um, I kind of want all of that to be out on the open. That's why I use words like I do in some of my LinkedIn posts, y'all and dope and you know, hype and things, because that's, I mean, I'm comfortable there. I'm also comfortable um, in, in, you know, in other grammatical spaces, linguistic spaces, um, but, 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 you know, a part of who I am and what makes me who I am is, is, uh, you know, a sense of freedom and relaxation uh, to be who I am. Um, and that's long fought and still, a, again, an ongoing battle. But those are some of the memories that I have. I mean, there were some great memories as well. I'm not, there's nothing really that I regret about my upbringing or the city that I come from. I'm extremely proud to be Petersburg, Virginia. Um, and at the same time, I try to realize, right, like what are the assets and liabilities? Um, and a lot of the liabilities came from restrictions of, of self-expression. Yeah, I think it's, you know, important what you said there, because I think a lot of people s struggle with it. I think, um, you know, finding kind of like, you know, just their identities of how they want to, um, you know, kind of how, how they want the world to see them. Like they, they think yeah. maybe, okay, if they have an accent, they got to tone it down or they have to, right. like, they can't be, if they're, they're, if they're loud, they, they shouldn't be loud yeah. in, in front I of talk about that a lot too. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's, 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 I think that it's, it's hard to know what to tone down and how to like, you know, when to, to go kind of go back and forth between the, 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 the you in front of that you are in front of friends versus clients yeah. for, and, and, and truly being, like you said, the same person, the same voice in all mm -hmm. situations, you know, because like, you know, the, the, the fact is we're not going to like go into a boardroom and, and you know, like greet people the same way we would greet like a best friend, you know, right. Uh, right. what's, what's up my brother, you know, like, or whatever, right. you know, right. um, <laughs> but you know, but, but then again, you don't want to swing the pendulum too far to, I, that's, I, I've forgotten what that, who that like person w was from a young age yeah. in my high school days and like what that's my right. culture, what, what my identity really is. So, you know, before we get into your, you know, to your business kind of uh, background for people kind of, you know, learning how to, you know, find themselves, what are, 
what are thing, you know, any advice you have for people that are just trying to, you know, figure out what things that they should be toning down and and finding their own voice? Any suggestions that you would give to yeah. people? Yeah, and and again, as I as I'm still, you know, working through these things, like these, I could just share sort of what's been helpful for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it's it's really trying to stay away from false dichotomies, right? Um, are you familiar with the artist Drake? Yes. Yeah. Of, yeah, so. of course. I, I did a, I did a video that for all of you listening, he's, I, I love how he's, are you familiar? Like I've been living under a rock, you know, I thought he was going to say some obscure name, but I, I have, there is a video on my LinkedIn profile for all of you. I'll put it in the show notes of me. Um, I did a speech, a five minute speech that said, you used to call me on your cell phone. Uh, you know, uh, uh, how texting has impacted your talent acquisition strategy. And I, and I talked yeah. about how, uh, yeah, so that was, I had a, a Drake slide in a presentation. So, so you know very Drake. Very familiar. Right. Yeah. So, so here's the question, right? And this is where this is where the wrestling match had come in for me um, earlier in life and, and earlier in career. Is when Drake is singing, is he being Drake? And when Drake is rapping, is he being Drake? So I think the answer to that is yes, right? So the false dichotomy that I used to draw was, um, in order to be myself, like I would have to, you know, necessarily come into a meeting and actually greet people just like I greet people um, in my neighborhood. But that's, that's false. Like that's not, that's not what it means to, that's not necessarily what it means to be yourself, right? And you can be yourself and you can sing and you can rap and you can write poetry and you can dance and you can cry and you can laugh, right? So, so seeing self as a holistic being that's inclusive of a lot of the elements that you might hide at different times has been really helpful for me, right? Yeah. Because the, the question is like, when I'm speaking, um, I'm speaking to specific audiences and I'm, and I'm utilizing certain phraseology and terms, that's still me. Um, and when I'm, when I'm talking to, you know, my cousin, my, my friends, my, my wife, um, that's also me. It's just different facets being highlighted at a specific time. When I say don't not be yourself, I'm talking about like saying and doing things in ways that are actually uncomfortable um, or feel abrasive to who you who you actually are. And, and we, I think we, this is something I can't pinpoint, but I can I can say, man, I think we I think we all know what that feeling is. Like you kind of you kind of feel like. Ugh. You know, I just, I just, I just performed almost as opposed to just being myself, right? So when Drake is singing, he doesn't, he doesn't feel icky about rapping, or when he's rapping, he doesn't feel icky about singing. He's just like I'm expressing myself in a couple different characteristics of myself uh, for a specific to highlight that attribute in that moment. And that, I think that's not that doesn't that doesn't crystallize like how a person gets to that point. But I think it was helpful in the thinking that we are whole people that are that are inclusive of more than just um, language or more than just, um, you know, any one facet. Like we, there's, there's so much complexity to the human soul um, and the human person um, that, that, you know, drawing false dichotomies is never, it has never been helpful for me, even though I did it a lot. And sometimes I still do it. Um, but that's the, that's the human in me. <laughs> <laughs> bling, bling. <laughs> right, right. It's just like Lizzo right. said, that's the human in me. Um, yeah. You know, I, I love what you said because um, 
yeah, for a lot of people, there's a big debate, you know, is, is Drake fake, fake, you know, uh, like so I've, I've had right. uh, a lot of people from Canada actually say, oh, you like fake or, you know, like that guy, you know, and I'm like, hmm, you know, interesting, you know, the, the same guy from Degrassi High who's like talking about like, you know, <laughs> like money and, and cars right. and women and all this stuff. Right. And, but he has a lot of talents. Let's just be real. Like right. we all have a lot of talents. Yeah. And is that is that we could we could talk for hours. Is that is that Drake? Is that who the only person that knows is him, you know, right. and the end of the day. Right. And, and um, you know, if, if you're if you're doing something that makes you happy, whether it's like four or five different things, it could be dime, like uh, diametrically opposed to each other. But it, yeah. it's it's it, if it's if it's like if it's making you happy and it's and it's and it's, um, you know, something that, you know, excites you that doesn't make you feel weird, then then do it. You know, that's what yeah, I think. I like um, that. Doesn't I like that doesn't make you feel weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's important. I mean, that's yeah. really important. Totally, totally. All right. So let's kind of transition a little bit to business. So, you know, yeah. I love just kind of the approach with humility and service, um, you know, early in your career and, and you've kind of, you know, transitioned that really, really well throughout your career. So um, can you tell me what that looks like, you know, what that like has looked like in, in maybe sales situations? Um, because I think a lot of people may look at those terms, humility, service, maybe not as much, mm -hmm. you know, service, but I'm, I'm with you. Humility is um, not what typically, you know, non-sales person would put on a uh, you know, as a term to label like a, a, a top salesperson. And, and even, right. you know, uh, for me, uh, going to the sales success summit, when I, where I met you last year, this is number one sellers, top sellers. I'm like, there's gotta be an ego here. There's gotta be someone that's <laughs> like, I, I'm like here to brag, you know, I, I'm just gonna like share you how I got here and, and good luck catching right. me, like chase me, like, let, let's go. Like, <laughs> And, you know, so, but like, that was like, not only was there none of that, it was the opposite of that. Like people yeah. were like, you know, like they weren't like, like, it wasn't like, here's all my awards, you know, here's like me at president's club, like drinking, you yeah. know, Mai Tai. It's, um, <laughs> it was very much um, like giving. So I'm, I'm curious, like, can you explain like what you, how you think that's shown up for you and what you've seen, how you've seen people use those things, humility and service throughout your business career, call it business. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think one thing about humility um, that is interesting and has been interesting to me is it's not really, um, a, it's not a lack of confidence, um, but it, but I think it is an element of humility. That means that if I check you on that, how do you respond to that? If I correct you in this area, how do you respond to that? If I try to teach you a better way, how do you respond to that? If I, if I, if I you know, approach or, or confront you about something that you said or did or a, a way in which you moved, like how do you respond to that? And I think the first side of humility is this response piece, right? So um, I've, I've I've, I've, I've led salespeople, I've been colleagues with salespeople who have, who do have, you know, extraordinary egos, but if, but if, but when confronted, they, uh, their response is a humble response of, I'm sorry, or I, I actually want, I actually want to be correct. And if I'm not, I actually want you to help me 
be corrected. Um, so I think that's one side of it. The other side is like, how do you actually confront? How do you actually call people out? How do you actually check people? Do you do it from a position of um, I'm here looking down at you and then trying to pull you up to my level and correction? Or is it like, man, I, I recognize that whatever I see in you, and this is something I tweeted not long ago, was just like anything that we see or hear from a person that, that, that grates against us and we find ourselves offended by, you know, a helpful question for me has been like, in what ways am I like that? And I don't think anyone could ever ask that question and come up with the answer, no ways at all. And because that's the truth about us, I think that brings us to a level where even in confronting someone or correcting someone, we can do it from beside them as, you know, as, you know, also, also needful of the same, right? And so we approach things differently from that perspective. So I think um, on, the, on the side of being confronted, being corrected, being helped, um, humble, you know, humility says you can, you can receive help from anywhere. You can uh, receive correction from anywhere and you're open to it, you want it because it's gonna help you to grow and learn and become better, no matter how good you think you are. And then on the other side, hum, you know, humility in the approach from the other side is just like, I wanna correct and I wanna confront. And, and at times it's necessary to do that. You can't have growth without conflict, but my approach towards you in that conflict and the way that would, even if we're butting heads, how I approach that head butting um, says a lot about my humility or lack of humility. So. That's, that's sort of how I've seen it um, play out. And that's, again, very confident salespeople, very, um, you know, believe in themselves, see themselves as, and I think that's a, a lot of what we saw at the summit, right? I mean, there, there are, it's not, it's not that Jamal Reimer didn't close three fifty plus million dollar deals. Like that, that takes a level of skill and experience that, that he could loud over people. Instead, he just recognizes all of the ways in which we're the same and just desires to help. Um, and if confronted, he's the type that will uh, receive that confrontation and think through it rationally and, and really look to see what is true about it and try to make the correction that way. And I think that's what differentiates um, the confident but, but, but prideful seller or business person from the confident but humble is, is, is those approaches. Yeah, I like that confident but prideful, but as opposed to confident but hum, uh, humble. Um, you know, what are like some of the people that you've seen? I I, I always like to ask this question. Um, so I think we see some people that are confident that are very what you just described: humble people, but confident; humble people that are prideful, um, but the humble people that are confident. Um, they show up on our lives in a lot of different ways, not just as like trained salespeople. I think they show up uh, in your Uber driver, you know, yeah. your, yeah. your cashier, your yeah. um, air, you know, the, the, the airline attendant, air, airport attendant that you had. Mm -hmm. Can you think of people in your life um, that you've, that are maybe close to you or maybe that you've met, you know, in a casual uh, setting that exhibited that and, and kind of like any, any type of like story that you can think of, of, of where that was exhibited. Cause I want people to think that they can all like do these things and what it looks like. So 
What is, yeah. how is, what is confident and humble looked like throughout your life? And what do the people look like to you? Yeah. Um, it, it certainly, you know, varies across, you know, different areas of my life, but I mean, I obviously can think of, you know, my parents, um, but, you know, and, and just generally speaking, like, you know, the experiences of, of my mom, as an example, I mean, she had me when she was, you know, 15, 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, and just, and just watching, um, her like service to other people, like being top of mind at all times. And she is, you know, this is later in my life, but just watching her, um, through our ups and downs as a family, still never stop like trying to help and serve other people. And, and if she had it, she, she'd give it. And if she were able, if she was able to, and still today, if she's able to um, speak into somebody's life to encourage them, uh, regardless of what's going on in her life, like that's those, those are the things. And, and so she has this, this humility about her as it relates to um, helping people, serving people um, and being corrected and confronted. Like, she receives those things with humility, yet um, in, in the work that she does, she's a registered nurse, a psychiatric nurse. Um, she has an extreme amount of, of, of confidence in that work um, and being able to, to do her work um, and the aptitude that she has and the, the studying that she's done to get to that point. She has a lot of confidence in that. At the same time, if she's shown a different way to do something that's effective or more helpful in the, in the situation, um, she bends to it easily. Like it's not, there's, there's no, there's not this, I have to do it my way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've already, you know, I've been through this. She's been in nursing for a long time and, and, and for her to receive instruction from, you know, younger nurses or anyone else on staff, like she has a recognition that all of the knowledge that's in the world about this thing that I do, I don't have. Um, and if someone has something I don't have, then I, I actually want that and I want to be better and I want to improve and things like that. But in her work day to day, she's extraordinarily confident. So I think those two things can coexist in, in, in any, any field, right? You, you mentioned Uber drivers, right? So I was in Massachusetts, um, you know, uh, on site at, at Seismic and I, for some reason, had, had gotten an Airbnb or hotel like that was 45 minutes from their office. And my Uber driver, that was one of those things that, that left an impression on me too. Here's a guy who's, this is not like a side hustle for him. He's just like, this is what I want to do because I, I want to be independent. I want to make my own schedule. I want to be my own boss. And so I'm able to do this as many hours or as few hours as I want. I have options. I have a degree. I have like, he kind of gave me his story and it was just this sense of the humility to say, I don't live to impress other people or I don't, I don't live or gather strength from what other people feel or think about me. I know exactly what my circumstances and situation um, are and what they warrant. And I'm working in, in accordance with that and I'm free. Right. So like, you know, people in every area of life that are just free and feel like unencumbered by the chains that are often put on us by the perceptions of others. Um, it, it just, they're everywhere, right? They're in every field. I have I have a friend, a really good friend, who's a fire a fireman, um, and it's the same thing for him. Like, how how confident do you have to be to like go through and endure all the rigors of, uh, you know, academy and and all of those things? But at the same time, like, just one of the most humble people I know in terms of um, you know relating to other people, hearing from other people, 
um, and those sorts of things. It just reminds me of like there's a there's an artist I love named Lecrae, and he and he said in one of his posts like, if you live by their approval, you'll die by their rejection. And mm. I think it takes I think I think it takes an awful lot of confidence to not live in light of the approval of others. Um, and I think it takes a, an awful lot of humility to, to take rejection or to take negative thoughts, negative feelings, or even confrontation and correction in a way that doesn't kill you. Um, you understand that it's for your good. And so those types of mixes and hybrids of people I aspire to, struggling <laughs> to get there on a day-to-day -day basis, but I see them all the time, man. Yeah. Man, wow, you're you're actually making me think. I didn't uh, really think that there was go going there, but yeah, I'm I I probably sway to like super ultra hum humble, and I don't give myself yeah. enough credit or confidence mm. uh, when when yeah. you know other I need uh, like I don't necessarily feel like I need the approval of others, but let's face it, we all want validation. We we find right. you know when when we have you know likes on LinkedIn when people mm -hmm. uh, give us. Um, you know, some type of compliment, um, you know, it feels yeah. good. And we're, it's it just human nature to do to, to, for yeah. those things to happen. So, but you, it's a, it's a, it's a delicate balance for sure. I always think like, man, maybe I, I should just like still be humble. You can do both. Like yeah. it's not one or the other, be humble, That's right. but find ways to give yourself to, 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 to be confident and, and, and know what you're worth. Don't sell yeah, yourself Alex. short. Yeah. Alex, it's like, it's like this, right? Um, yes, I can absolutely do that. I need all y'all's help in order to accomplish that. <laughs> right? That's just, just the confidence to say. Like, if you put a task before me, Alex, I'm, I'm likely to say, oh, I can absolutely tackle that. But I need a crew in order to accomplish it. Right? And so that's the, that's sort of like, yeah, I'm confident that I can do it. But I'm humble enough to acknowledge that I need a lot of help to do yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Like, um, you know, I feel like when you start a new gig, start a new job, you feel like, oh no, like I want to impress. I want to show oh. that I can do it myself because they put yeah. their trust into me. I have to right. perform and show up. Yeah. And that's right. And it's really hard to say, stressful, but stressful. stressful, but like, you, but I like that. You know what? Like, yeah, I'm going to do, I'm going to do exactly that. Yeah. Y'all are going to have to come on board with me um, and I'm going to, right. I'm going to like be latching on to a lot of people uh, to be able to do it, but I know I'm going to yeah. do it. That's right. We, I mean, we don't, we don't talk a lot about those three things that we, we all like strive for and desire deep at a, at a deep level. It's like comfort, security, and approval. Right. And, and we're getting it somewhere. Um, and, and, you know, and a lot of times we seek it in, in sources that just have never been meant to give that to us and have no ability to. And so we keep ourselves on this treadmill trying to find those three things or at least one of those three things or two of those three things. Um, and, and, you know, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lifelong struggle. I would imagine I'm 45 and, and I'm still not done with the struggle. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like if we're struggling as salespeople with it, I imagine buyers probably are as well. Um, yeah. You know, they don't want to make the wrong decisions. Um, so right. kind of transitioning to that, um, you know, what what's just some like just some pieces of advice you'd have for the person that like, I, I always ask this, what's the advice you'd have for the non-seller, someone who's never held a quota in their life? They're just yeah. doing their day. You know, 
And what's, what's your advice for trained salespeople to maybe inject a little of this humility or maybe other soft skills into their practice? Um, yeah. any, any actionable advice that you would have for both sets of people? Yeah, I, I have the same advice that I'm trying my, you know, trying my best to, to follow. Um, and it applies to both, you know, non-selling. Um, cause I, yeah, obviously I live in a, a, a charged environment. I have six kids and, and a wife. <laughs> um, and, Sounds and, like cake. You know, <laughs> right. And every one of my kids has a, an entire, way different personality from, from each other. Wow. And so you don't have to navigate, you know, navigating that and, and, and maintaining humility. These are my kids, but at the same time, they're humans and they have feelings and they have perspectives. And, um, you know, one, one, one aspect of humility is just like curiosity. Um, when they come to me and they, and they, and they state something that I, that I feel like I've been there before. I know where you're going with it. I know how you feel don't worry about it. It's not that big a deal. Just putting myself back in their shoes and saying, man, like, because they're bringing this up, like, it is very serious to them. Even at eight years old, like, my daughter, she brings a concern. Like, I need to, I need to back up from the whole, like, yeah, don't worry about it. Nothing's under your bed. Like, I checked, right? And just have a conversation with her about, like, what is it that you're feeling? And, you know, how can I help? And, and just, so just, the presence of mind to, to, to not be dismissive when we hear mm-hmm. things that sound familiar mm-hmm. because they didn't come from us. They came from somewhere else, someone else. Right. So I hear, I think there's something under my bed. And I just remember to when I thought something was under my bed, it proved that there wasn't. So you should be equally able to get beyond this. Right. Um, instead of asking questions and truly comforting through understanding. And sometimes it takes literally two minutes to, doing that to where my daughter's back comfortable so that that i mean that's 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 a tough learning right and, and it's the same in business if you're a sales professional um and you hear something that sounds familiar like i'm and, and alex I, I promise i'm trying my best to to continue to grow in this area right i'm i've arrived here but when you hear something that sounds familiar instead of mentally moving to get to the next question or the next um, area of your presentation or whatever it might be, like really understand, like that's familiar to you and you have a specific response to it, but you have no idea how this person is responding to what they just said. So it's good to ask some questions and, and maintain curiosity. Um, excitement sometimes dulls the dulls that sense. Um, and so when I'm excited about something or I'm presenting something, um, again, I'm a seven on the Enneagram, I'm super excited and excitable. Um, I often speed past those moments that could be real moments to align with, um, show care for, uh, humility and apathy and empathy, uh, not apathy, empathy um, in those situations. So I would say no matter whether you're a seller or you're a non-seller, like really uh, examining opportunities to, to dig in and, 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 and be human with someone um, through pain and struggle. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. You said something on another um, interview that I've heard from you. Um, you know, it was around like a meeting when you were so prepared to meet uh, with this uh, like CEO and he came in just yeah. at the end. And then, uh, yeah. you know, he, he the, the dog, something about like the dog was 
barking or he was like, I'm sorry, yeah, I'm late because oh, of my dog. He had to put his, yeah, he had to put his dog in the kennel. Yeah. Um, he had to put his dog in the kennel and yeah. you didn't have enough time to get through your presentation. And your, your, your boss is like, well, what's your dog's name? Or just, yeah. you know, your boss asked like, so what kind of dog do you have? And, and you were like, right. what are you talking? We're going to talk about your dog. I got, right. the, I got like 10 slides to go. Yeah. No way. Like yeah. you were mortified, but like, you know, it's so true. Like we, I, man, I, I, my wife thinks that I'm crazy sometimes when I just like sit and talk to like random strangers and, you know, like get to know them, but like <laughs> nobody does it. Um, like, yeah. so like, you know, my, my took away, like when someone gives you a chance to be a, just a human being, take them up on it, you know, yeah. like, you know, yeah. um, it, take them up on it. And yeah. so many people, you know, ask for like, it's, it's kind of goes back to like, if people are asking for a change, right. The homeless person asks you for money. We always think yeah. like, oh yeah, they're just going to use it to get alcohol or something bad. Right. You know, like there's a probably yeah. like they should like, like there's a reason, like a bad reason why they're there. They're there because they're themselves. They put themselves there, yeah. but right. there may be some of that, but like, how do you know? you know, right. without just pausing. And, you know, I'm not saying like here, Alex isn't saying, Hey, just be the guy to uh, just start giving everybody dollar bills on the, on the sidewalk and, and everything. But right. Maybe they don't need the dollar bill. They just want somebody to sit and just listen to them for a second. Yeah. You know? Cause nobody, well, what else could it be? Like what, what, what else could it be? Right. So like the, the you know, a lot of times we, and I'm, I'm guilty too, like we pigeonhole ourselves into specific perspectives so you see someone begging for money like the only thing if the only thing you can consider is that they're going to use that money for, for this or they're there because of their own their own doing like i mean how highly do we think of ourselves that we believe that the reason we're not in a similar situation is because of how awesome we are right um because it's it, that's not it right it's just it's like the same i may have made the exact same decisions as that person all the way up through life until someone grabbed me and checked me. So really I owe that to someone else. It's not my awesomeness. It's just somebody shook me, um, perhaps, right? Or what other reasons could there be? Like we're in the midst of a, a pandemic now. So when we see homeless people, it could be any number of reasons why that's the scenario. But but thinking beyond like the initial thought and going beyond like what else could be the situation? Like what else they what could they want the money to do? And then maybe like you have that conversation and find out something that you didn't expect. Um, but again, I mean, it is a, it is, it is a, it is an up, it, it's a journey. Um, and we continue to fall back and then get back up and fall back um, into old habits and ways. And, and we just, you know, we press on with the, with the commitment to change. Yeah. I totally love that. You know, kind of rounding off, like, do you, do you have like a favorite, um, you know, like question or approach uh, with people. And I, and I kind of think I know where this is may go, but like, you know, where mm -hmm. people just said, man, Duan, that really made me stop or think, or, you know, Hey man, like, I appreciate you asking me that. Like where, you know, like, and may maybe it's not uh, like one thing, but um, like just something you like to, uh, to do with people that you meet for the first time to get people to uh, lean into you and, and to connect with you? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that happened during like the earlier part of the pandemic, um, when when I was still main calls to businesses, 
and still trying to reach out to people. You know how it's it's really customary to just be like, hey, how you doing? You know, hey, hey, this is Juan Brown from, you know, whatever company I was with at the time. I was with friends at the time, right? Um, this Juan Brown called with friends um, and, you know, how you doing? And people would normally say, hey, I'm doing all right. How you doing? And I would, I would stop at that point and just say, no, I mean, in light of everything that's going on mm. right now, mm. like, how are you doing? Like, whether that is, how's your family? Like, how's business? Like, what, how, are you, how are you feeling? How are you dealing with this right now? That's what I mean when I say, how are you doing? And that was the, the response that you asked about, like, man, I really appreciate you digging a little bit deeper and asking, you know, getting beyond my knee-jerk response to the question to get to the heart of things because people were suffering and people were struggling and people were um, really having a hard time. And here I am calling um, to talk to you about, you know, Meets. benefits in that case, but I mean, it was, <laughs> which were important because, you know, companies wanted to figure out how right. to, to provide continuity and care to their people. Right. Um, but at the same time, like, I don't want, during that time, I didn't want, how are you doing to just be like woke memory um, either in the question or the response. And so that would, that would be one example. I love that. Yeah, man. I bet you that the conversations that you got when when people when you followed up with that, look, no, I mean, how are you doing really? Like we're yeah. probably amazing because they probably went into so yeah. many places. Like I've 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 made oh, cold man. calls the same same way. And I had like a 20 yeah. minute cold call with this lady just because I said something little different, but I said, Yeah, I mean when I, I said, how are you doing? She said, great. How are you? I'm doing fine considering there's a pandemic and there's no end in sight, man. It's tough out here. She's like, right. You know, like I did this, this, and she started just talking about herself and I just let her go. And we had this great conversation about like how she like played in a band, you know, at, uh, in her yeah. local town. And, 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 and we, we didn't even talk about why I called and she's like, why, why'd you call yeah. again? Like, so <laughs> yeah. And we, oh. we, we, we have to struggle to keep that, that experience alive for, for you, right? And, and for me, like I, I had a call recently where, again, I was, I'm so excited to, to talk. I had done some research. I was so excited to share my research, looking for windows in which to share what I had learned and got way off course from what I knew to be the most effective way to have a conversation at this time. And I don't know about you, but when I have those types of instances in calls, it takes me quite a while to uh, un un unravel from the error uh, mentally and, and psychologically. Um, but it's the same thing. That experience you had when she opened up to you based on the way you asked that question, like you can't forget that because you can actually replicate it just by caring about people when they say, I'm doing great when we're in the pandemic, there's no way possible. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love it. Yeah. Don't blow by the, 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 just the common questions we hear. How are you doing? How are yeah. you like, how's it going? Like, you know, and, yeah. and just kind of like, you know, offer up a few more things and see what happens and, and maybe you know, like right. ask a follow-up, like, how are you doing really? How are you actually feeling right now? Yeah. Cause I know I'm, yeah. I'm feeling crazy. I'm feeling anxious. It's crazy yeah. around my house with the, with all the kids in the house and everything. Yeah. How about you? And Hey, sh I, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> my house is the same way. So, um, all right. Duan, I know we could talk for a long, long time. We kind of, kind of round this off. Uh, I just love yeah, kind of the soft skills and just your approach in general. I hope people kind of take this away as, man, this stuff is sales. Like this, you know, we're not talking about like, 
you know, all sorts of tactics here, but it's just kind of general principles you can bring into your day to day. Um, because I think sales is an art form and, and really each human being does it differently. And it's based on the person that they are and who they are. This is just a fun question. I asked all my guests at the end, and that is something about you. And the question goes like this, what is, what is, um, you know, something or an event that could only or would only happen to Dewan Brown. <laughs> wow. What is an event or something that could only happen to Dewan Brown? Um, man, I'm, I'm going to be so, so vanilla here and just say. Um, if it happened to you, it can't be vanilla, you know, because it only yeah. happened to you. Yeah, I guess you're right. Good gracious, Alex. Um, could only happen to Dewan Brown. Uh, man, that's hard. I guess I don't know. Right. Another <laughs> way. Another way to think about it is like, if I yeah. asked your wife um, or kids, you know, man, like that thing that Dewan does, or that, uh, like, you know, is it's just that's totally Dewan. You know, like yeah, that's that's I, that's yeah. him to a T. You know. Now you now you now you struck a chord. So I have a dessert that's called the Dewan. And it's, any comb- and it's any combination of some sort of soft cake, um, vanilla yogurt, ice cream of any kind, and uh, milk over top of it. The cake's, <laughs> the cake's at the bottom, and then you put your you, you put your yogurt, and then you put your ice cream, and then you put your milk, and Ooh. you just eat that. That's called the Dewan. Mm. So, uh, and everybody in the, in the house knows that that's the Dewan. So when they see me making it, it's like, oh, you making a Dewan? I'm like, yes. Ooh, no sprinkle, <laughs> man! Yeah. I yeah, yeah, like now you got me thinking. I gotta, you gotta give me the recipe. I, I need to know what type of yogurt and ice cream and cake. And, yeah. and, uh, you know, I can't really replicate it because there's only one Dewan. Only Dewan can make the Dewan. That's right, but you can you can make some variations. Yeah, maybe I'll try to make the Alex. Let's see. Um. All right. Well, that's a great answer, man. Well, listen. Um. Dewan, you are a complete ice cream sundae of just greatness uh, yourself in, in terms of like just the soft skills you use in your sales career and with people. And I, I just thank you uh, and really grateful that you, you uh, talk with me today and, and hope people take away a lot from it. Where can people find out about you, connect with you and learn more uh, about you? Yeah, certainly LinkedIn. Um, I'm getting a little bit more active on Twitter right now. So um, Stratus now at Stratus now on Twitter. Um, And and, and those are probably the main spaces. Let's do it. Well, Dewan, man, thank you for coming on today. It was a real pleasure, my man. Thank you. I appreciate the time. All right. Thanks a lot. Hey, gang. All right. Wow. We made it to the end. I know your time is valuable, so thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending your time here with me. If you heard a quote you liked, got a quick bit of value, or you have an idea that can help convince others to join, I urge you to take a minute and leave a five-star rating and review. That helps us gain influence and bring some really great guests on to add even more value to you and others. You can also always contact me directly to tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. All my info is in the notes. Let's help convince anyone that they have the ability to sell well just by being great humans. And this podcast is proof. All right. See you on the next episode of Stories of Selling Humans.